Welcome. Thank you for joining us for this episode from Avondale Baptist Church. We are so happy to be sharing the Word of God with you and hope that this message is a blessing to you. And now, here's Brother Richard. You like that little upbeat? Thought maybe Sister, Sister Amy thought I was fixing to come up here and rap. <laughs> she was looking at me like, uh-oh, if Pastor's going to be rapping, uh-oh. Oh, uh, man, that was a beautiful song there, Hymn of Heaven, right? Singing the Hymn of Heaven. Uh, when we get there, what a, what a glorious time it would be. What a glorious, I mean, seriously, like seriously, think about it. We are in heaven. We are going to be in the presence of Jesus. We're going to be in the presence of God. How awesome will that be? How awesome would it be to be reunited with loved ones that has gone before us? Who's there rejoicing? Now we're fixing a shift. Imagine the families who didn't make it to heaven. People's children. Aunts, uncles, grandma, grandpa, who never really got to know Christ or who rejected Christ or Think about that. Now think of the ones who are still alive today who needs to know Christ. Start with your family. Your mom, your dad, your grandma, your grandpa. Who still needs to know Christ. and Who needs a savior. The urgency is real. We have a lot of work to do to share the love of Christ with people, to be used as vessels for the advancement of God's kingdom. That's the church that we want to be. We want to be the church that go out and share the gospel, that goes out and reaches the lost, that goes out and seeks the outcasts, the marginalized, the ones who are hurting, those are the ones we have to reach. Anybody who doesn't know Christ needs to be reached. And there's a lot that are still walking around that don't know Christ. Yes, it is an exciting time to think about when we go to heaven or when I go to heaven. But it's also scary to think about my family members who don't know Christ. We're going to be starting a, a new series, Know It All. We're going to be looking at different people in the Bible who, who whether they, they accepted Jesus or they rejected Jesus, 
And we're going to spend the next couple of weeks at looking at different uh, people in the Bible. And there's the ones who reject Jesus, and there's the ones who receive Jesus. And we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 23. And this is a pretty intense section, so to speak, or the words of Jesus, because these are the woes that Jesus, Jesus spoke the seven woes to the Pharisees. And remember, I've said this before, the problem that Jesus had with the most was with religious people. And I don't stand here to purposely step on toes, but I stand here to give you encouragement to to be more like Christ and less like the Pharisees. And so Matthew chapter 23, verse 1, it's quite a bit. And I'm going to try to, to present it in a way that Jesus would present it. I really don't think that Jesus would be like, whoa, Pharisees, hold up, hold up, Pharisees. Look, you, you, you're doing this wrong. No, he was angry. He was angry. Father God, we just ask that you would open our eyes. to see ourselves in your word. Father, I pray that we would take this time to reevaluate our walk with you and that we would become more like you and less like the Pharisees. Father, I pray that you would keep us away from any distractions, clear our mind and open our hearts to what you have to say to us this morning. We love you, and we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. See, Jesus invites all of us. Jesus wants all of us to know him. Jesus wants all of us to fall in love with him and to follow him. But sometimes we get so caught up. We get so caught up in things and we lose our focus on Jesus. Verse 23 I mean, chapter 23, verse 1. Then Jesus spoke to the multitudes and to his disciples, saying, The the scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. Therefore, whatever they tell you to observe, that observe and do, but do not do according to their works. For they say and they do not do. Sunday nights, we've been 
studying the book of James and how James is telling us to be doers of the word, not just hearers of the word, but be doers and that we actually have to be doing something. We have to be doing something. He says, for they bind heavy burdens hard to bear and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. But all their works they do to do to be seen by men. They make their phylacteries broad and enlarge the borders of their garments. They love the best places at feasts, the best seats in the synagogues, greetings in the marketplace, and to be called by men, Rabbi, Rabbi. He says, don't be caught up in their position. Don't be caught up in your titles. But you do not be called rabbi, for one is your teacher, the Christ. And you are all brothers. Do not call anyone on earth your father, for one is your father, he who is in heaven. And do not be called teachers, for one is your teacher, the Christ. But he who is greatest among you shall be your servant. And whoever exalts himself will be humbled. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. But. Jesus says, but. Woe to you. Scribes and Pharisees. You hypocrites. For you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men, for you neither go in yourselves, nor do you allow those who are entering to go in. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, for you devour widows' houses and for the pretense make long prayers. Therefore, you will receive greater condemnation. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites. I mean, he's calling them hypocrites. This is already the third time. For you travel land and sea to win one uh, proselyte. And when he is one, you make him twice as much a son of hell as yourselves. Woe. The son of hell? Woe to you, blind guides, who says, whoever swears by the temple, it is nothing. But whoever swears by the gold of the temple, he is obligated to perform it. Fools and blind. For which is greater, the gold or the temple that sanctifies the gold? And whoever swears by the altar, it is nothing. But whoever swears by the gift that is on it, he is obliged to perform it. Fools and blind. For which is greater, the gift or the altar that sanctifies the gift? Therefore, he who swears by the altar swears by it and by all things on it. He who swears by the temple swears by it and by him who dwells in it. And he who swears by heaven swears by the throne of God and by him who sits on it. Woe. 
to you. Woe to you. Woe to you hypocrites. Woe to you hypocrites. Woe to your hypocrites. You are blind. You get the message. That's tough. Woe. What would Jesus say to us if he came? Whoa, Todd. Whoa, Becky. Whoa, Richard, you hypocrite. Whoa, wait a minute. I've always found it intriguing that Jesus saves his most harsh criticism for the religious people, for the Pharisees, the Jewish leaders, the teachers, the Sadducees, the teachers of the law. He has his most harsh criticism for them. See, the Pharisees were the the legalists of their Time. They believed in, in following legal traditions. Not just those in Scripture, but they have like 613 laws that they had to keep up with. Traditions of the fathers. They believed that they had to be required in order to remain holy and to remain as a Jew before God. But more than this, though, Jesus accused them often of being hypocrites who placed heavy burdens on people but failed to meet their own standard. So the question is, are there Pharisees Active in the church today? Are there Pharisees active in the church today? today? Do we see hypocritical Christians who seem willing to point out the speck in the eyes of others, but don't make an effort to get the plank out of their own eye? Do we see that? Without any doubt, Matthew 23 represents some harsh words from from Jesus to the Pharisees. He holds nothing back. Nothing back. He gets tough. And sometimes we we have to accept Jesus in getting tough in our own lives, if we want to become mature Christians in our faith, be mature in our faith, we have to allow Jesus to speak to us like that. We live in a world that we begin to see that there's, it's, we have to be more sensitive to people's feelings. We have to be more sensitive to people's emotions. We have to be more sensitive to people's beliefs. And that's where 
we are struggling as a church, as a whole. Because we're scared. The fear sets in of wanting, we don't want to offend people. And what we see is known as the seven woes of the teachers of the law and the Pharisees. And he proceeds to label them. He proceeds to label them as children of hell. Blind guys, blind fools. Lovers of gold. Who are full of greed. It's sad because they did a, 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 a study on, on non-believers and, and people who don't go to church. And, and the outcome of that is that there's two main reasons why people don't come to church. They're hypocrites. And we talk about too much of the do's and the don'ts. That's pretty interesting. You can't do that. You can't do that. You can't say that. You can't do this. You can't do that. Yes, yes, we are some things. We have to be obedient to God's word. It's pointing out the speck in somebody's eye, but not taking the plank out of our own eye. I love it with that when Jesus, when people had an encounter with Jesus, <laughs> man. He met that need. He loved them. He found a common ground. He served them where they are. He didn't say, well, you have to do this. You have to do A, B, and C before you get any help from me. That rhymes. He didn't say that. And it strikes me that not much has changed today among reading those statistics and that evaluation. Their perceptions of our faith is that we're hypocrites and there are too many rules to follow. What is wrong? How is it that our faith can be turning people away from Jesus? Our beliefs, how there's something that's missing. I would think back in, in, in the church that I used to go to when I was younger. And, and I remember that my mom and my dad would be like, you have to do this. You have to do A. You have to do B. You have to do C. You have to do D. You have to take these classes. You have to do this. And I remember as I was going through that, I and just, you know, and I, not once have I learned about serving. Not once have I learned as growing up in the church that to love. I have to, I have to make this class. I have to do this thing. And I have to say these certain prayers. And I have to do these certain things. easily I was never really taught in the church 
anything about loving and caring for others. In Colossians 2, chapter 21, it says, Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. These rules are based merely on human commands and teaching. Such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship their false humility and their harsh treatment of the body. But they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. We have all experienced others who tell us that once we give our lives to Christ, then it's even more important to follow those things. They come. They come, but those are not the things that are important. Those are not the things that is going to get us in heaven. Those aren't the things that is going to draw us closer to Christ. It's not a checklist. We see those who walk in the name of Christ, pointing fingers at other people, at other groups, and even other religions. Telling them how sinful they are and how they are going to hell. How they are going to hell. We see the extremists, these bombings of abortion clinics that are killing people in the name of Christ. Turning to violence in the name of Christ. Turning to hatred in the name of Christ. We see it in, the, in, in, the, in all the racial tension that's been going on. We see it in the political world. We see it in, in our denominations. We see it in the church. We see it in our community. Now, I'm not saying that we should not stand up for our faith, for what we believe, but it should not be brandished as a weapon of mass destruction. This is not how Jesus lived his life. It's not how he taught us to live either. See, why? Because guess what? We are all created in his image. All of us. Let me say that again. All of us, not just all in Sweetwater, not just all in Texas, not just all in the United States, not worldwide, every single person that is breathing and that he created them. He created them in his image. And I just love it because he reached out everyone. See, Jesus never sinned. Man, that's real simple to say, right? He lived a sinless life. But see, I want you to know that Jesus wasn't following a set of rules. 
He was living who he was and who he is. He embodied the Father. Jesus treated people who were all sinners and who were enemies of the living God with what? With love. With love and compassion and care. He didn't need any rules or rites or rituals. He was the living image of God Almighty and it was on display in everything that he did. It was who he is. Love. We are created in God's image. We were created to carry that image through our lives. In Colossians 3, verse 5. Therefore, put to death your members which are on earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desires, covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, in which yourselves once walked when you lived in them. But now you yourselves are to put off all of these. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language, Out of your mouth. When we receive Christ, we are a new creation. We have to have something that is changed within us. It's to get rid of that anger. It's to get rid of that malice. It's to get rid of those selfish desires. And be more like Christ. Be more of the image of him who created us. And since we have taken off our old self, even the practices, we have to put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge and the image of our creator. We have put on our new self. Be less like the Pharisees and more like Jesus. I encourage you to go back and read the seven woes. And when you, when he says woe to you, put your name. I don't want us to be like the Pharisees and and reject Christ's work in us because of some silly tradition or cultures or whatever else it may be that is hindering us to truly, fully worship God and to experience God. The Pharisees. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you are a new creation. We abide in him and he abides in us. He's the one that allows us to do the work. He's the one that does the changing in us from the inside out. Only if we put our way of thinking to the side. And start thinking 
on the cross. It's really simple, but it's, there's a bracelet that used to, uh, hey, and that it would be, W, W, what would Jesus do? WWJD, you know? And I remember the girls saw those bracelets, and, and we bought, they bought a bunch of them, and they were passing them out, and they thought it was the coolest thing. I was like, man, those are old, that was, you know? But they're so simple to wear those bracelets and be reminded, what would Jesus do? What would Jesus do in this situation? What would Jesus do in how to handle this person or this whatever it is that you have to deal with? But the first thing is have you had that encounter with Jesus? In Luke chapter 18, if you could turn there in your Bibles and we're... Luke chapter 18, verse 35. We see a blind man who has an encounter with Christ. Luke 18, uh, verse 35, it says, Then it happened as he was coming near Jericho that a certain blind man set by the road begging and hearing a multitude passing by he asked what it meant so they told him that Jesus of Nazareth was passing by and he cried out saying Jesus son of David have mercy on me then those who went before warned him that he should be quiet but he cried out all the more son of David have mercy on me And so Jesus stood still, commanded him to be brought to him. And when he had come near, he asked him, saying, What do you want me to do for you? He said, Lord, that I may receive my sight. Then Jesus said to him, Receive your sight. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed him glorifying God and all the people when they saw it gave praise to God we see this beggar we see this beggar on the side of the street that he's just not only is he homeless and he's begging but he's blind he's marginalized he's an outcast and he asked who What is happening? Who's coming? What's all this racket? And they say, Jesus. Jesus of Nazareth. I just love it because he cried out. He cried out. Some of us don't even cry out anymore. And we can fully see. We can fully see what is going on in our lives. We can fully see what's going on in our country. We could fully see what's happening in our church. We could fully see what's happening in our community. But yet, we will not cry out. 
Is it because we're being too pharisaic? Is it because we're afraid of what people might think or say? And they tried to stop him. Those who went before warned him that he should just be quiet. And that's what the enemy's telling you right now. You should just be quiet. You're going to sound silly. You're going to look silly. Man, what are people going to think about you? You should just be quiet. See, the Pharisees had a problem with Jesus because he was hanging out with the outcast. He was hanging out with the prostitutes. He was hanging out with the tax collectors. And they thought that he shouldn't do that. You should be hanging out with more church people, Jesus. You should be hanging out with more people like us who follow the law, Jesus. What are you doing out there? See, he came to bring us hope. He came to bring us life. But not to endure life, but to enjoy life. As Gary comes up, and he begins to play, and I just want to ask you, how is your relationship with Christ? Yes, we're not going to be able to be perfect. We're not going to be able to make all the right decisions every single time. But let me tell you something. God always gives us the opportunity to make things right. He always gives us an opportunity to repent. He always gives us an opportunity to come back home. Just like the prodigal son. And maybe that's you. Maybe... You need to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior. That is the, the very most important decision that you can make. Because as we sang that song earlier about heaven. Oh, what a rejoicing we will have when we are in heaven. But the question is, do you know if you would be in heaven? Do you know? And if you don't know, please come to the front. And allow the Holy Spirit to lead you and to receive Christ for the first time. Would you do that? Thank you, Father God, for this wonderful message. We pray that it has been a comfort and a blessing to our listeners. Thank you for taking the time to join us here at Avondale Baptist Church. Until we see you again, always remember, Jesus loves you.